Welcome to another episode of the Vitamin C's podcast. I am your host, Tim Shields, joined by Wayne Breezy Brown. Before we get into it, we are a member of the CLNS Media Network, which is sponsored and powered by FanDuel, uh, the official sports wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. So checking in today, uh, Celtics are going to be taking on the Houston Rockets this evening. But before we get into that, we do need to talk about some recent Celtics news applying to the Celtics coaching staff. Damon Stoudemire is signing with Georgia Tech, um, going to be their head coach officially. Wayne, what are your immediate thoughts? First off, how are you doing? I'm just jumping right into the news. But hey, man, I, doing, hey, man? there's nothing wrong with just jumping into it. I call it getting down to the nitty gritty, but I'm doing really good, Tim. It's good to be back. Um, this is this is. It depends on how you want to take the news, but I, I will say this for Damon Stoudemire. This is great news for him. He becomes a head coach of the Yellow Jackets over there uh, at Georgia Tech. This is great news for him. Uh, he'll be able to control and do things that he wants and help develop some of these young guys, which is kind of what he does here uh, with the Boston Celtics. He helps develop certain players and he has different ties, you know, from the Portland area and things like that. Uh, but I think this is a great move for him uh, business-wise, you know, great move. Every way, it's a great move. Now, for the Celtics, this can be somewhat uh, a, a curveball or a wrinkle in time, if, if how you want to say it, because you're losing your lead assistant head coach. Now, I'm not saying there's not anyone else that can step up, uh, but we've also saw Damon Stoudemire, you know, be, be the head coach for a couple of games that Joe Mazzulla was out. And so, you know, did fairly well with the team and has great uh, rapport with the guys on the team. And so I'm I'm hoping, you know, at a at a tough critical time like this, it doesn't cause a ripple in the locker room with the players, with the team, you know, you know, things like that. And it's it's almost playoff time. So um uh, I'm not sure how quick he'll go to Georgia and join his, you know, his new venture. Uh, but it's it's just a weird timing for it. I think that's for me, that's what's throwing me off. But I'm definitely happy for Damon Steinmeier. Yeah, like you said, it's a great opportunity. It is definitely weirder timing, though, because what is, what happens now? Do they play out the rest of the season? Does he leave like immediately or is it something that happens, you know, you know, as things wrap up at the end of the year, however far the Celtics may get once things, you know, have a bow on it? He goes ahead and joins Georgia Tech. Does that happen? Because it's it is this kind of weird in between. I know this happens. Like this happens. I know you're a big NFL guy, obviously, with all the Niners stuff back there too. But you know, sometimes this happens, and it's happened before with other teams in the NBA where guys get you know a team gets knocked out of the playoffs or a team is deep in the playoffs, and all of a sudden one of the assistants or a coordinator or something like that ends up getting like a coaching gig elsewhere, and so they just end up finishing out the rest of that run go on to join their new team whenever things wrap up but it's tough because now you're looking at this roster right and you've got an experienced guy Damon Stoudemire who's going to be going away for a great opportunity like for sure and I think it's awesome like you should take that opportunity because I think now that's kind of a foothold for him to go back to the NBA level at some point down the line to become an actual like NBA head coach full-on and I think he was in the mix there before everything happened with Joe but the big thing was, is he came on to be Ime's assistant. And now you kind of look at the rest of that staff, right? Like 
is there going to be some kind of exodus like once things kind of come to a close this offseason? Because most of these guys came in for Ime. Uh, Damon's got the Portland ties with Ime as well. Um, right now, it looks like Ben Sullivan's probably going to be like the lead head assistant unless they go out and they find somebody else. And there's plenty of good options out there, but I feel like they'll probably just roll with Ben. Um, but how does that change how they approach the offseason? Are you looking at more coaches leaving? Does it mean like you're kind of retooling Joe's staff? Where does that kind of lead things? But right now, I think in the overall scheme, it's just sort of it's something to keep an eye on. Like, I don't know if it's going to really impact anything long term, but in the meantime, it's just kind of like an interesting little wrinkle to what they're already going through as a team. You know, they started to turn things around recently. Um, they put together two straight wins. So that's obviously really, really good, especially when you consider that rough stretch that they were going through. But one interesting thing, I, th- I think going back to Damon Stoudemire for a sec, you know who he actually had a really good working relationship with Marcus smart. See, that's <laughs> look, Marcus smart, savvy veteran, uh, I'm glad that they had a great relationship. This is probably what helped Marcus Smart just be more of a, uh, I I would say he's a matured basketball player, but he still definitely tries to do things, uh, you know, to test, to test the waters a little bit. uh, Hence the last game in Atlanta. Got a little (laughs) tense, didn't it? (laughs) Just a little bit. And it was so toward the end of the game, but I commend Smart. Here's why. And I don't know if we're alluding to that, as of right oh, now, we absolutely are alluding to the ejection. <laughs> and, and here's why I commend him. If you if you didn't watch the game, you saw that things were starting to turn for the Atlanta Hawks. And Smart had to find or figure out a way to kind of like put something on pause. Now, I, I don't think would he let's talk about the kick, right? Was it a kick? Was it uh, and we're talking about so. Trey Young? <laughs> It was a kick with the leg, right? And it was intentional. And Marcus Smart just wanted to make him known. Make, like, look, listen, dude, you kick me with your leg. Now I'm saying whatever, whatever, whatever. The takedown, though, it was the issue. I think that's what got him the ejection. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Well, part of it for me was I think like John Collins kind of like walked back into them and they were tied up. And so they just got knocked over. So I don't know how much of that is like a takedown. He did get into his face, which I say like would get you a tech. I think that for sure would get you a technical. I don't know if it would change anything from there, like moving forward. But I I think overall, like it was just sort of one of those things where I know that they've got a history. Like there's been altercations before. There was a whole instance where Smart got tripped up by Trey Young in a previous game. I want to say last year or the year before. So like there is like a history there and, Trey's been known to get on people's nerves. Just go ahead and ask the entire city of New York. Poor Knicks fans are still licking their wounds from that playoff series, but he's kind of like that instigator, right? And when it comes down to it, Smart's also very much an instigator, and he's not afraid to get physical. But when like an offensive player does something like that, especially to Marcus Smart, like you're gonna you're gonna get a response. And in that moment, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Like that puts a spark underneath the rest of that team. And I think that's sort of what the Celtics needed to do to close it out. Like that happened in what, like the last like two minutes of the game, pretty much. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, you know, they played well the whole game, mm-hmm. right? They were moving the ball. Jason Tatum was just having a night. Uh, guys were hitting their shots. Interesting that we didn't see any Grant Hill. 
I mean, Grant. God dang it, Grant Mill. <laughs> I don't get it. You're, I don't get you're it. Caught too. on that. I, I, you know, and here's what's it's funny. A at, thing. <laughs> at the end of the game, because I was watching it on the NBA uh, app. At the end of the game, guess what? There was an interview with Grant Hill and Jason Tatum. Like at the end of the game, <laughs> no lie. But no, seriously, like Grant will. I, I, I don't remember him getting any burn in that game. I don't even know if he played any minutes. I think it was uh, a DNP. Okay, so I I brought that up to say, like, going forward, and I know we were talking about the smart ejection, but we're going to eventually get into why the Celtics may be playing a little bit better. And I I like Grant Williams, uh, especially when he's doing the things that he's asked to do and he's not second-guessing himself and and things like that. I'm okay if he makes mistakes, if he's hustling and things like that. I'm okay with those mistakes. But these turnovers – that aren't just from him. They're from all the players from the top echelon all the way down. Like they got to figure out a way to limit those turnovers because that's how the Atlanta Hawks were able to even create some type of a run toward the end of that game, which kind of brought the score, I believe within five. And then, and then the Marcus smart thing kind of happens and then it's a spark. And then it's just like Tatum. And then it's just like, we're going to close this chunk out. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm cool with the nail biter games. I'm cool with a lot of the stuff that we see from the Celtics, but sometimes I feel they get in their own way. And, you know, I don't know if that's a a player thing, a coaching thing, a mixture of both, but you know, the upcoming game they have against the, uh, who they play next? Houston Rockets. Against the Rockets, which should be not an easy game, but you know what I'm trying to say. It should be a team. Easier. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? I don't like to say that any game is easy. Mm-hmm. But they also play down to their competition. And the Celtics do – let me ask you this question. Do they need to always have their foot on the gas? Do they need to show that, that they're this dominant team this late in the season with the number one, two, three seed kind of like on the lock? Because that's where they're going to finish, one, two, three. I'm, yeah, I'm somewhere pointed. in that mix, right? Yeah. I mean, they've got, a, they've got a good chance to move back into one to just one. because – the Bucks are facing the Suns, and then I think they're facing the Kings as well. Like they're facing a couple really good teams in a row. So I think there's a chance if Milwaukee slips up a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah if if Milwaukee slips up a little bit, then there's going to be an opportunity for the Celtics to slip in there. But I think if they're trying to maintain health, then you got to play hard for like at least like three quarters. You gotcha. get through three quarters like with your foot on the gas. You got a good, healthy lead, at least against a team like Houston. Like if it's if it's like the Bucks or another like playoff team, like if you were going against the Knicks or even like a team like the Pacers, like you you want to make sure you've got a real comfortable lead before you start emptying the benches. Uh, I love that they were able to do that against Portland. Um, that made a huge difference, I think, for the Celtics in terms of getting Tatum off the floor. Al Horford only played like 24 minutes in that game. So being able to do that's going to help them. But losing losing grip of the rope in these games can can really, really burn you down the line because even if, let's say, you're not in play for first or let's say you are and you are in that mix battling between these seeds and you manage to pull off the first seed, but you burn yourself out in the process, then it doesn't even matter that you got first seed because like health is tantamount. I don't think it matters wherever they land like in my in my mind like it's not like the warriors where they need home court because they are an awful road team like i'm pretty confident the Celtics can go into anybody's building and take at least one game but what are your thoughts i 
I don't know, man. I just want them to get, I just want them to close out the season playing, you know, well, Celtics basketball. What does that mean? Just them moving the ball, looking like an offense that flows. It's funny listening to Scow. Uh, <laughs> say, all right, man, they're going to go down there and they're going to get five passes on this possession. And then it was a turnover. I think it was like a, it was like an ISO play and it was just, he was like, okay. And then the next time he like, all right, we're going to get three to four passes on this next position. I'm going to lower kiss that. Of death. <laughs> if he's predicting it, it's the kiss of death. Like I just, you're screwed. That we think that's how we should play. Because if we do play like that, like everybody, just does well it's just when we go iso mode or like if tatum the issues when tatum's not on the floor the offense gets a little bit stagnant uh jalen brown decides to go commando and it's just like dude continue rising jb as the playmaker like it he's shown that he has grown in the element of playmaking uh over the last several games probably since he started wearing his mask and so it's just like weird, right? Uh, yeah, it's weird. I, and, I wonder if he just became more careful with like possessions because he was afraid of losing it. So there's actually like a mask that you can wear when you're learning to like dribble and stuff. And it's a mask that has like a guard on the underside of it, right? So uh-huh. you can't see down. So like if you were dribbling, you can't see like where you're dribbling. And so it blocks your vision. So you get used to not looking down at the dribble. Ah, so there's science to this. That's crazy. I I don't know how it ties in with him in the mask, but like I feel like that might be part of it where he's like being extra careful with like his dribble and his possessions. He's not been perfect, but like considering he's been wearing a mask, he's looking pretty damn good. I love Jalen Brown. There's only Jalen Brown appreciation moment. I love Jalen. There's only two things I'm gonna ask my cousin to do in the offseason shoot eight thousand billion free throws (laughs) and and I don't even think he needs to learn how to dribble. I think he's so fast in his head that he's trying to make the move before he secures the rock. It's almost like a wide receiver catching the ball. Like, oh, I'm going to catch the catch ball. Catch the ball before you start taking before off. You start, exactly. And so that's kind of like JB when he gets into like, you know, it's seven, eight, nine seconds on the clock. And it's my turn to kind of like, you know, do something, something with the ball. He's already taken off. So in his head, he's making the play, but he forgets that they're, they got quick hands. And so that's the only thing. Those are the only two things. Like other than that, like I said, I feel like over the last several games, I've watched his playmaking ability, like really upgrade. And it's really cool to see this young gentleman add that to his tool belt, right? Because that's the one thing he's missing. He's a slasher. He's a scorer. He can shoot the three. Like, that's what Jalen Brown does. He's going to get you buckets. I don't care if he takes 100 shots. He's going to try to get you 40 points a night. And that's kind of like what he does. And you have one player like that. and, And then when you look at Jason Tatum, he can do that. But he's also learning how to get everybody else involved. So when Tatum's not on the floor, I want to see Brown continue to trend upwards uh, in that playmaking trajectory. And and then you get what we talk about, the ball handling, right? Like, this is what we're starting to see. And it was like when Al Horford came back off of his, you know, not back-to-back night, you saw immediately that the Celtics were better because we had this conversation uh, about the, the double bigs. And it's just like, maybe the double bigs, aren't what we want to do going forward, coming down the stretch when you kind of like shrink the rotation a little bit. 
you know, because if Al Horford can handle the ball at the five or bring the ball up the court and make a play, and then you got your other four people that can do exactly the same thing, that's what's causing these defenses is giving them fritz. The only issues that we have when you do that is you're super small underneath the rim and you're not going to get too many either second chance uh, points. And that's where we get killed, right? Because even like when you go back to the Atlanta game, Tim, the only reason why Atlanta stayed in the game, it wasn't because they can hit their shots. I mean, what's the kid that always does? Uh, Sadiq Bay, Bay, whatever his name is. They're yeah, like, who's now in Atlanta, which is I'm still getting used he to. He always has a good game against the Celtics for some always. reason. Like it's the one team <laughs> he circles on his calendar and says, I'm going to have a good seven game. from three that night. Like just <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. And so I was saying that to say this, like they, you know, <laughs> the Celtics just have to, you know, figure out how to continue to move the ball with those five playmakers that they have on the court at one time. So more ball handling uh, from all five. The only issue is what happens with the rebounds? Because we watched our, we watched us get out rebound again. Like I think it was, they showed a stat and I don't have it in front of me, but at one point during the game, it was like, they had like 17, like second chance shots and they were scoring right off of them. So that's 34 points at that time, 17. That would just put right back up and put right back in. And so that's kind of where the double bigs probably got to come back in. But I think the Celtics, we talked about this earlier on an episode, they're going to be just fine moving forward. They have a pretty decent road game schedule that I feel like they can handle. Uh, and they just got to continue doing the things, playing Celtics basketball. Just kind of want to see it. Yeah, and before we keep moving forward, because I do have a um... – Looking ahead, you know, trying to look ahead at what is lurking in the playoff situation. Like, what's in the seating? Who they could potentially face? Are there any teams that concern you? There are a couple that concern me a little bit. Um, Before we do, I am going to take care of some of the bills here. And I'm going to go ahead and plug our sponsor, FanDuel. Getting back to things, talking about looking ahead at the schedule. I am a little bit concerned about who might fall into those spots. We talked about seeding not being important. However, Mm. there's a couple teams, and I'm sure there's probably a little bit of overlap that we have in that regard, looking ahead at the schedule and saying, all right, we've got X amount of games left. What's the standings looking like? Because Mm. right now it looks like you might either face the Knicks or the Heat or maybe the Hawks, but most likely – it's looking like it's going to be either the Heat or the Hawks. Right now, the Heat are in seventh. So if you stay in the two seed, you're going to have Miami in a first-round matchup. Right now, though, they're only three games over 500. they They're 36-33 and 33 on the season. How do you feel about that? Uh, look, I, I like our matchup between the Hawks. I feel like... Um... I mean, I like I like what they do against Trey Young. I mean, can he score from anywhere on the court for sure? But I like that our guards are bigger, and then they they take him to the paint, try to get him in foul troubles early. So I actually like the matchup between the Hawks. I mean, I know they got those bigs down there that can get those offensive rebounds and Clint Capella, uh, but I just like our matchups in the Hawks, and I expect to have Rob Williams back too. Like you know what I mean? So like if we had to play them, I think I like the matchup. I do not. I do not want to play the Miami Heat in seven games. I'm not saying that the Celtics won't win. I just don't want to go play that type of physical. First of all, it starts with the coaching. People don't give Spolstra his props, but the dude is a, he's a Hall of Fame coach, man. And so it's just like he's already going to come with that mentality. He knows what his rotation is going to be. We've faced him before. We've done it before, and we always go the, the, the long mile. 
And I just don't think in the first round the Celtics want to go seven games. They just don't. They don't want to burn themselves out. And I would try, you know, it's not up to them. If they if if they don't want to face the Hawks or the Heat, they got to finish in first. This is where I'm coming in and saying they need to go out there and handle their business on the road. And then they got, what, a few games at home, maybe six more games to play at home, if I'm not mistaken. They, they can, you know, a little luck on their side. They can get back into first, control their destiny, and play the worst seed, which would probably be – would it be one of those two teams again? Or Most it, likely. I mean, well, you also – I keep forgetting, you know, you've got the play-in sitting there right now. Just the Cleveland um, Cavs, right? So the Cavs are actually up at fourth. They're they're doing good. Um, playing, you're looking at 10th right now is Chicago. Then you've got the Raptors, the Hawks, and the Heat. So those are the four playing teams that you're looking at right now. So I, I don't mean, want to face Chicago either, Tim. I they're they're yes so, and no, right? They're just I feel the matchup. It's the matchup and their mentality. They play us so much harder than they play any other team. They can lose every game on their schedule. They'll play the Celtics and they show up. They play more physical. They get up in our grill. All of a sudden, they hit all their shots. It's weird. It's weird watching us play Chicago. Chicago, the Knicks, and the Brooklyn Nets are those three teams that just play us tough in the East. I would worry about the Raptors to a certain extent only because – Nick Nurse is oh, he's a very one. good coach, but he's he's a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> he, he's a hardo, man. Like he's going to even if you've got like a good hardy lead, like he's going to leave his guys out there to just try mm-hmm. and carve into that. lead. There's been so many Raptors games where it's come down to a finish where it's just like an absolute dogfight when the Celtics were up by like 12 or 14 with like three minutes left. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, great. Another full court press that we have to deal with. So, like, that's one of those teams. And, again, that that ties into coaching. That's why I think Miami gives them such a problem, just because Eric Spolster is such a good coach. Great but coach. they're so old, too. Like, they're on the older side. Miami's got a lot of issues for themselves. I mean, they don't really have an easy path to improvement without moving off of some of this money. You know, you heard rumors about maybe Kyle Lowry getting moved at the deadline. Really? Couldn't really find any takers for it. Yeah, there was just, like, whispers here and there. Nothing um substantial. but ultimately like these teams are still gonna they have history they've got track record even if you look beyond just this regular season you know so none of those teams are going to be easy outs uh if if i'm the celtics i definitely would want to avoid the knicks just because right now you're coming off of really really bad losses to them and there is that mental aspect now i think the knicks are going to be a problem for somebody in the first round um currently is as currently constituted they're nine and a half games back of first, um, mm-hmm. which is tied with the Nets, but they've got a record of 40 and 30. Nets have a record of 39, 29. Nets sit in fifth. Knicks are sixth. So as it currently stands, the 76ers would face the Knicks in the first round. That's an interesting series. I, I don't know how that'll turn out, but at the very least, it's going to be interesting. For Boston, though, I think you kind of have to not worry about the teams that are in front of you, right? Like you kind of just have to play – Play whoever you play. You know, Ime Udoka preached the idea of nameless, faceless opponents. And when you're looking at just all of these teams that could potentially face in the playoffs, you sort of have to have that same approach. I just worry about Miami for the exact reason that you said, where it's a physical team. That's a physical series. And I'm worried that they'll get burnt out in the first round unless they put them away quickly. So that's just kind of my thoughts on that. And 
I know that you talked about this before with the ball handling on the offense. Um, I, I talked about this on our last episode. You weren't able to be on it, but overall, like, how are you feeling about like the Celtics backcourt? How are you feeling about Derek White and the way that he's playing, what he's been bringing to the game so far? Yeah, I mean, Derek Derek White is bringing this uh, this ball of energy, like you know, and and he has this like knack ability to finish at the rim. It's weird. I'm like, no, don't do that, and it goes in. So like, he knows. Or he's extra confident now. So maybe maybe there was a little growing pain uh, trying to get comfortable, uh, you know, within the Boston, you know, situation and things like that. But I'm telling you right now, he's a difference maker. So you have, you know, is it is it possible that he, he cracks that starting rotation if need be? I, I don't know. Because I like Brogdon. I like him. He's the scorer off the bench. You got Brogdon. But again, you got two more ball handlers. Like coming off the bench, when you think about the starting five, if we go with our starting five, it's what Smart, Brown, Tatum, uh, Horford. Who am I missing? Who would be the four? Probably Rob at the five. But that again, that ties in the big though. Yeah, and well, and that's what the lineup that they usually run, or at least they ran last year. So who would you insert if you're going to go the extra ball handler? It wouldn't be Brogdon. You need him for the six man. Would it be Derek White? Yeah, okay. I've kind of so I've kind of been talking about that. I I wrote about it for Celtics blog. I talked about it with Adam on our last show. But starting Derek White and keeping I, Rob on the bench, operating yeah, like, off the bench in that big role. I mean, it it does a couple of things. So it could be a gift and a curse, right? Because now you're starting Derek White, and you got to say to yourself, what is his role? Is he the two guard, which is what I'm hoping he is, and continue to let Marcus Smart run point, but is another ball handler, which is great. So if he has to bring the ball up, he can also distribute and make a play. And I think that's that's key for the Boston Celtics, getting the ball into the hands of the right person. If he sees there's some type of a mismatch, he also knows how to take advantage and finish, get to the rim and finish at the rim. And he's drawing contact and he's shooting a mid-range and he's getting more comfortable with his other shots. So that's it's great to have him. I think the the, the, the curse would be with Derek White, and I'm going to give you the gift and the curse with both. With Derek White would be, does it tire him out? Can he close out a game? Like those type of things. And and that, you, you need that. You need his energy to stay on 100 like the whole game because he is somebody that can come back in if your team is doing, a, doing you know, down and you need to go on a run. Like Derek White could be one of those players to ignite something. As far as Rob, like you want him in the game to start because you want him to protect the rim in the beginning. You want to keep them little guys out of the paint. You want to force them to shoot threes. Uh, he can close out on the perimeter. He can block shots. He can do all those things. Um, so you kind of want him in there, but what happens when they have a different type of lineup and they're able to just get right past them and next, next you know, he's in foul trouble. You can't really utilize him the way you want. I feel like the curse with Rob Williams is the more he starts, the more opportunities there are for him to get injured and i don't need him injured going into these playoffs we need him as healthy as can be Hmm. going into the playoffs so it's it's gonna it's a gift and the curse which either way you go i prefer the five ball handlers on the court i feel like we we move the ball we play better it's a flow it that that's what i prefer i i tend to agree with you there too and i think i think the thing you hit the best was talking about rob and it just feels like 
the more time that you keep them out there, it, it's like you're shaving off like the percentage <laughs> of how like healthy he is. I like know. you reach like a certain threshold where it's like if you if you hit the 20 minute mark, you're risking him not being able to you know play the next day because he's got hamstring soreness or something like that. And it's not to say that I don't want him to start. It's just I want Rob to be as healthy as possible, and that might mean him coming off the bench. You know, Derek White, outside of having that neck injury, he's not really ever shown up on the injury report for anything. It's been an Ironman. He's not missed a single game. And I just, based on the Celtics history, I just want to like, I've I've said it before and I said it again, like that is just so impressive. That is like Mikel Bridges levels of just like durability. And I think yeah. that's awesome. Like that's something that you just haven't had. And based on Brogdon's injury history and Marcus Smart's clearly dealing with something too, you know, yeah. with his ankle yeah. and stuff that flared up and he's talking about other injuries popping up too. You you need to be able to lean on someone in that position. And I think that's what Derek White gives you. But besides that, is there anything else you want to cover today? I know that we've got a game coming up, so I don't want to hold you too long. And Lord knows NFL free agency is going on and everything, so I'm sure you've got plenty of stuff to worry about, too, for the Niners coverage. Yeah, it's it's super crazy. The NFL is going haywire right now. As far as Celtics, though, man, listen, they just, you know, upcoming game uh, against the Houston Rockets. Don't play down to their competition and and go out there and be aggressive, you know, start the game aggressive. You know, I, I know they do take their foot off the gas. They like they kind of like to try some things and and things like that. But stay aggressive, stay in control, stay in command, and then most importantly, win on the road. Celtics are the they have the best road uh, win percentage out there, and they're a good road team. And remember, I said this on a few episodes ago. Remember, we kept losing. I'm like, why are we losing to the Knicks? Why are we losing to the Nets? Why are we losing these? East Coast games, you know, like the games are in our division, the games we should win in our conference. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then it hit me. I was like, maybe they just need to get on the road and get the heck out of Dodge for a while and and, and get back together. And remember, you said as long as they don't have some type of team meeting, we're good, right? They've like, avoided it so far. <laughs> they've avoided it so far. So they're back to winning. They're back to moving the ball. They're back to playing Celtic-style basketball. Let's go ahead and get this win. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, with that, we're going to wrap up today. Um, thank you for joining us. If you've gotten this far, please like, comment, and subscribe. Let us know in the comments what you're looking for for content. Any ideas you want to throw at us, we are open to them. Um, so once again, this has been Vitamin C's, a proud member of the CLNS Media Network and sponsored and powered by FanDuel, uh, America's number one leading sports book and the official sports book sponsor of the CLNS Media Network. Take care, everybody. Hang in there. And until next time, cheers. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet.